We all have paradigms and roadblocks that prevent us from excelling, and they can be real or imagined. Welcome to Beyond Bricks, a podcast that will give you the ability to break through those walls. Here's Dr. Nathan Unruh. People don't always like when I make this statement, but I had to make the statement when I look myself in the mirror. Hey, if your life sucks, it's because you suck. So the solution is stop sucking. So how do you stop sucking? is you got to do some self-reflection. I strongly believe God doesn't make junk. We're all made in his self-image. He doesn't make junk. He gives us all gifts, talents, and abilities. Those are his gifts to us. What is our gift back to him is what we do with them. Welcome, everyone, to this conversation. I'm super excited to have a good friend with me, Josh Shaw. Josh and I have been running around together for a number of years. Our We're like-minded individuals who are always trying to innovate our businesses, trying to figure out how to do things better. And so we've met each other. I think we met through Brad Lee initially, didn't we, Josh? We did. Yeah. And so, yeah, Brad got us connected. And since then, we've had a ton of great conversations. I'd love to be a part of your journey. You've inspired me. But what I want today, the listeners to hear is something about Josh that so many of us, I think, need to hear. We need to hear about adversity. We need to hear about transparency. We need to hear a message of hope. No matter where we're at in our lives right now, Josh has a story that I know will impact you. So Josh is now currently living in Wisconsin, but uh, Josh, I'm going to shut my mouth for a minute. I want you to Tell us your story, brother. Tell us where you grew up and kind of take us along your, your path. Sure. So I grew up in Sheboygan, Wisconsin, small town in between Green Bay and Milwaukee, right on the lake there. It's a small town in the sense of not a lot of people around, but doesn't mean like life can't grab you, right? My parents, they divorced at a young age. I was probably five or six, right in that age. My father went off to marry and have kids. My mother just, she found herself just meeting trash, you know, if you would, he would beat her, hit us, verbally abuse us, break our stuff. And it was just an ongoing process of that. So you had during the weekdays, I was with my mom, right? And then on the weekends, I would go over to my dad's house on the weekends where he was trying to live this new life. And I felt like my dad wasn't my dad. He was living through this new wife of his, letting her tell him how to raise us, right? So I got really defiant angry, upset, didn't even know why. Started doing really bad in school, stopped going to school. I kind of took to a neighborhood guy of ours named Joe Valerio, who at the time was a gang leader, sold drugs. and But it wasn't that that I took to necessarily. I think it was later on. But what I took to from him was just the appreciation and, and his love for just me, right? And he kind of put me under his wing, so to speak. And so that I appreciated love. And I always craved that. I always craved the brotherhood. I always craved a mentor. I always craved someone to look up to because I believe that if you can look up and you can keep your eyes focused, you can become really whatever you want. And at the time, that's what I wanted, right? That's what I was missing in life. My self-confidence had probably diminished, obviously, at that point in time. And I had nowhere to go. Home just wasn't a reality for me. So you know, got involved there. And then there was a moment too where, and and I remember very distinctly, like my life changed as far as like business in, in this sense. And it was, I was probably 12 years old when I was at Joe's house and he just got out the shower and 
he was putting on his pants. So he's buckling his buckle and he had his big fat wad of money in his hand and he put it in his mouth so that he could buckle his buckle. And it was so large that he couldn't get it in his mouth. And he said, here, hold this. And he gave it to me. And at that moment, I'm like, damn, I want to have some money like this. And that's kind of when my life changed. And I I started to realize like he was solving a lot of problems with money, right? I saw him help his family. I saw him help other people in, in our neighborhood. And it just felt right. And a lot of people looked up to him. So from that moment there, I essentially chasing the dollar, right? And I found myself soon after that selling selling drugs. It was crack cocaine. I was 13 years old. I got caught in middle school selling it. And they sent me to Lincoln Hills, which is a boys prison. I had no idea what the hell was going on. I'm like, oh, got caught, throw me in a hooskow. And there I just lived. There was no sense. I was just going rolling with the punches. I was in Lincoln Hills. I had maybe like, I think it was like a, a one year sentence, but I, I never got out. Like I went there, started fighting, started kind of, you know, falling myself in the same mix that I found myself on the outside, just rolling with the punches, no real goals, no sense of clarity. So I did that for until I was about 17, 17, I got a mandatory release, I left Lincoln Hills and decided to go work for my uncles because early on, I would once in a while work for my uncles doing roofing. And I worked for them for about, I think it was three or four weeks. And the boss man, Billy the Kid was his name. It was time for payroll. And he pulled out this big bag of cocaine. He said, Hey, I can either give you cash or I can give you this. This is going to be worth more. And I'm like, well, if it's worth more, I want that. So I took it and I went to go distribute it and it didn't take me long. It was like overnight it went and I definitely had more than what I earned roofing and it didn't become long before I just go re-up. I'd re-up from him and people started calling me and I had a little customer base and seemingly did well, didn't really go back to work for that. And from 17 to about, I'd say 20, 21 years old, that's the life I was living And in between that time, like that time, I was not only selling drugs, but I was just creating some really bad habits. You know, it was drinking, hanging out, no real, again, no life goals. I was saving money. I had money, but didn't know what to do with any of it. Didn't know really how to live or anybody to teach me how to respect or do any of these things that I crave now. So I found myself in the penitentiary at about 21 years old. And that's where my life changed. You see, I was sitting at a metal bench playing cards, bright lights over me when I heard um, over the intercom Shaw to the door. I thought, I'm like, this is weird. So I went to the door. They said, come on through. So I opened the door, came on through and the guard walked me down the hall and they said, you got a call. And I said, well, this is weird because you don't get calls in prison. You have to pay to make them. And so they walked me in their room and they pointed to a phone and it was already sitting on the, the desk. And I looked around the room and I picked it up and I'm like, hello. And it was my mom on the other line. She's like, she said, Josh, it's your dad. And I said, I'm like, what about him? He's like, he's dead. I just broke down. I didn't even ask like how or why, you know, I just broke down. I'm like, what, what happened? I just couldn't understand. I'm like, there's no way that he's dead. There's no possible way. Like this relationship that I had with my dad was always strained throughout the years, right? It was it never really got repaired because I had so much resentment towards him for leaving us. I blamed him for leaving us in a bad spot and leaving my mom to kind of set up with these boyfriends. So it was, there was a lot of blame, a lot of resentment. Later, I found out it was from suicide. And I went back to a holding cell. They said, Josh, you can go to general population or I can put you in this holding cell. I said, put me in a holding cell. And I sat there for days. 
just trying to clear my mind, really. I mean, trying to understand what happened, right? Like, and then it just overcame me. Like, I, I never got the chance to make my dad proud. I never got the chance to tell my, like, how I really felt, how I loved him. And then I thought to myself, would that have changed anything? You know, did did he bear the burden too, right? Because we're all living this thing called life. It's just not me and my feelings. And I started to understand that. And I started to, like, just try to understand myself and try to understand him and his position. And I just went on this lifelong journey of just trying to become better. And my first step to that was forgiveness, right? I had to, I had to be able to forgive myself. And that was first, because I was, I was constantly asking for forgiveness from everybody else. And I just realized like, I just need to forgive myself. And then once I forgave myself, I just went through this journey and these motions of trying to understand, trying to be better. I grabbed books. I looked at people now, not necessarily like Joe Valerio, but other guys that I, I like modeled in business. And when I got out, I decided to start a roofing company. And, you know, just like anything else, this process was slow. Over time, it, I built momentum and I started seeing some real money from it. I, I felt like I was finally in a good spot, right? I finally had money. I was stable. I didn't have to go back to selling drugs because that was one of my things is like, I felt like if I couldn't make it in the real world, I would always fall back to that. So that fear was over. And I've started to realize too, that I had more money than a lot of my peers, a lot of my family members, mom, aunts, uncles. And I felt like I had a sense of making it. And I went on like that for a couple of years. And then I also felt too, like, this ain't good. I don't like this feeling either. Like, I felt like I was like, this is all life has to offer. This is what I'm going to get up and do for the rest of my life. And there was a moment there that I had where I was like, for me, it was more growth. And I started kind of manifesting some stuff in my life. And I saw some real, some real change happen. Um, and when I say manifestation, I was always thinking about these large commercial roofing projects that I see guys on. And I thought to myself, like, man, it'd be awesome to see me do some, like, I'd love to do some commercial projects like that. And by the time you knew it, I, like, like the following year, I was doing large commercial projects and that's all I was doing. So, and I start, and, and I noticed that um, there was one other manifestation thing that I had. And that was when I got out of prison, I'd accumulated some debt and I went to go see an attorney to get me out of debt. And as I'm sitting at his desk, he's having me sign the paperwork. He hands me a pen and I'm signing the paper. I'm like, this is a really nice pen. And he says to me, he goes, you like that pen? You can have it. And I said, thanks. He goes, I said, this is going to be my new million dollar pen. And he laughed. I laughed, you know, given the situation, I'm trying to sign myself to get out of debt. And from then on, I always called it my million dollar pen. And there was actually a time where I was signing invoices and I left it in someone's vehicle. And I was panicking because later that night, I didn't realize where my pen was. And I called him. I said, did I leave my pen in your truck? He said, you sure did. I said, I'm on my way to get it. He said, what? You're like 45 minutes, an hour away. Why are you coming to get this pen? I said, I'm on my way. He comes, gives it to me. I said, this is my million dollar pen. He goes, it must be. And it's funny because all that was like, it, it was manifestation in the making. And like two years after that, I ended up signing my first million dollar deal with that pen. And I continue to sign million dollar deals with that pen. So that pen has really become my million dollar pen. So back to this manifestation thing with this commercial stuff, I started to notice it and I started to see a change. And then I started to realize, hey, maybe there's more to life. Maybe life is whatever I can truly make of it, right? So I started shooting real big and I grew my 
roofing company from small to about $6 million in revenue. And I only had $3 million in revenue as a goal. So I surpassed that. So I'm starting to see big progress, but I had an opportunity to sell my business, which I did for myself, but kind of twiddling my thumb. So I started a passion project, which was light speed. And I think that's how you and I kind of got introduced there. And I went back to the drawing board and I thought to myself, I want to make sure I get lucky the first time. So I started another roofing company, which is New Roofs Inc. And we've been doing really well. And, mean, and meanwhile, we've been acquiring other roofing companies. I also have a flooring store. We've also acquired now three other flooring stores. So that's kind of where I'm sitting at today, Nathan. I love it. I love it. So I, I want to unpack a few things from your story that I think is could be helpful for our listeners here. First things, though, let's let's take care of some housekeeping. Okay. I need that pin. Uh, okay. I, I, <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'll be gladly to share it with you. Uh, you know, you, you look at the number of pivotal moments through your life. Mm-hmm. And, and as you sit there today and you reflect back, I mean, a ton of adversity and you could have stayed angry. You could have stayed very bitter, mm-hmm. but you didn't. And you charted a path to say you needed to change. And I think a lot of us get stuck in a victim mindset. We get stuck in feeling sorry for ourselves. We get stuck in, we can't see the horizon of really what's there. But I think what I heard in your story is you made a change and said, I have to change myself. Yeah. Yeah. So let me, let me tell you a story. And we talk about adversity and we talk about two different mindsets, right? And how one life-changing moment can take us two different directions. Okay. And this goes back to my dad. And I haven't shared this with anybody else. I think I've told you, but personally, but I haven't shared this with an audience. But prior to me going to prison, it was sometime before Christmas. And my dad and I, we were out. He was drinking. I was also drinking. I begged him. I said, let's just call a taxi. We'll just get a taxi home. He refused. He started driving. We exchanged words. He had said he was going to kick my ass. I said, come on, bring it. Car pulled over. He got out and I hit him and the fight ended. And all I can see was blood from his eye. It stopped. Like the fight stopped and I just couldn't help. He went to the hospital. He ended up getting stitches. And from there, like I didn't, I didn't talk to him after that. That's the way I left my relationship with my dad is that right there. Like, and I had to consume that, right? I had to consume that. I soaked it in. And still to this day, man, it's one of my biggest regrets. One of my top, my one of my top regrets to this day. So that's me in my story, right? From there, my brother somewhat shares a similar story. And that is my brother gets a call and it's from my dad. It's probably like one and two in the morning. And he ignores the call gets another call, ignores it, gets another call, ignores it. He's like, I'm just going to talk to him tomorrow. He thinks in his mind. Well, that call was that night. He was calling my brother to save him. And he leaves a voicemail on my brother's phone saying, hey, buddy, just wanted to call and tell you that I love you. It chokes me up when I have to say this, but he says, I just wanted to call and tell you that I love you and that I'm going to be all right. And that's the last my brother's heard from him. And my brother, again, didn't have that chance, right? Didn't have that there with him. And he, he carried the burden. What if I would have answered that phone call? Would he still be here today? He's taking it in. I went this direction with that adversity. My brother went to heroin and every other drug in the book. He's now serving an eight life or eight year sentence in the penitentiary. He calls me from prison often. And and still to this day, I, I can tell it chokes him up. He, he doesn't, he doesn't have the heart 
to face and forgive himself for that. He's constantly running. He's constantly running. He was caught by the police running. And I said to my mom, I said, That's, he, he ain't running from nobody. The only person that he's running from is himself because he can't step up and forgive himself and see like this is a learning moment and you can take it and you can run either direction. So to, to your point about adversity and deciding to take something and either soaking in it or doing something with it, something positive and impacting people like we are today on this podcast. And I'll never forget sitting with you in Milwaukee at the Iron Horse and you telling me that story and the same emotion that's in you today was there with you then. And what was impactful for me is this idea of running. We're either running towards the life we want or we're running away from the life that we're trying to avoid, but we're running one way or the other. You know, you and I've talked about it and, and the people that have been around me long enough, I always use the buffalo as my analogy. You know, the buffalo will face the storms knowing if they go into the storm, they'll get through the storm and there are sunny days on the other side of that storm versus the cattle who see the storm on the prairie and they run away from it. So the hope you are giving us today and by telling us your story, you face the storm. You face a storm of your own life that you couldn't forgive yourself. You never processed all the things that have wired your brain at a very young age, self-reflecting on that, using that as your trampoline, looking at that adversity to strengthen you, to make you into the man you are today. Yes, and so as you reflect today, on Josh Shaw. And I remember Josh Shaw and my first met Josh sells his company, buys this beautiful white Lamborghini. He's made, you know, doing a lot of cool things, got this very contagious smile and enthusiasm about him. But one thing I've appreciated about you, you're not done. Even as we got to spend some time with each other here just a couple of weeks ago, you're looking at that next evolution of how do I become a better man? How do I become a better human being? So speak to that for our listeners. How Where's that thirst come from? And what are you doing to quench that thirst of being a better human being? I, I think it's a good question. It goes back to, you know, those few, those few years that I had where I felt like I had it, right? Like I felt like I was doing better. I was in a good position but there was still something I was longing for. And that was for me, I truly believe, and I didn't know it then, but I believe now I was just longing for a better me. Like for me, it was, it was the accomplishment of just becoming that better person. Even if it was a little bit, you know, I just want to become better at life, at being a better husband, at hopefully someday being a better father, being a better businessman, right? Being a better leader, all those things are not something that are you're just born with, but there's something that you you have to learn, right? And you have to appreciate. And and for me, I feel like everyone out there. So I, I use this analogy for myself, but I think like I picture myself as a library, and everyone that I meet is a book, right? And I'm accumulating these books for my library. So learning from everyone has just been for me probably the biggest change that I. I have in my life and especially from you Nate like I've learned so much from you how articulate you are how genuine the the events how caring you are like you're you're a true person that wants to help people but I think it's because you've helped yourself and you know it's possible right so that's the same that's kind of the same place that I'm at is is just the climb is what really grabs my thirst 
um, not necessarily the accomplishments. And I think we did an exercise at your thing and we really changed my, my mind is that you had us all write down some top moments in our lives and you had us label them. Are they relationships? Are they experiences? Are they items? And then what was the fourth one? Accomplishments. Accomplishments. And I, there were, none of them were items. A lot of them were relationships and accomplishments or experiences rather too, but none of them, none of them were items. Talk about the white Lamborghini. That wasn't on my list, right? So I've learned now that it's really about the journey. I try to make it as difficult as I can to make sure that I have it. And that's why I started that second company, right? The New Roofs Inc. I started from scratch. I didn't want help. I wanted to run it like it was an actual business. I didn't want to take a bunch of my personal money and stick it into it and have it be successful. I wanted to start it from scratch to see if I really have what it takes to start a business, to grow a business, and then sell a business again. So for me, it's it's really about the journey. Yeah. So Josh, you know, there's a word that we'll talk a lot about in the definition of affluence. Mm -hmm. And when I bring up the word affluence, people will think right off the bat, it's, it's about money. And I love what you just said is that, you know, on your list of best moments, wasn't the white Lamborghini, but isn't that some of the stuff that we think if we chase and get, that's going to make us happy, but that didn't make your list. Some of my own objects didn't even make my list. So when we look at affluence, a true definition of affluence is a flowing towards an abundant supply of options to live a life that we desire. So that is, yes, is, is that our bank accounts? Sure, that's part of it. Is it our, our 401k, IRA? Is it some of those things? Absolutely. But you know what it really more is? It's about our relationships with people, relationships yeah. with our family members. It's the experiences. It's our children's education. All of those things go into our own life of affluence and taking time to reflect on that and understanding why we're doing it versus just chasing the wind. Mm -hmm. And I think you've done a beautiful job of that. So I want to end this discussion, Josh, with a few calls to actions for our listeners. And so if you're, if you were to give some advice to the people about how do they, wherever they're at, whether they're in a really bad spot in their life or they're, they're merely surviving, or even if they're thriving, what are things they can do to become better leaders, to strengthen their relationships, and to really provide them with hope on why they're on this earth today. Absolutely. So I think, you know, number one, it's just ground zero. For me, it's ground zero is you. It starts with you. I think you, you recommend a book. It essentially just tells you that everyone in your life currently is all that you need to know, right? And I believe yeah. everything that you have inside you is everything you need to become successful, right? You just have to dig deep enough to find it, right? There's a treasure that lies inside you. What is it, right? And sometimes the self-reflection is what it takes to become that person, right? For me, it was having to forgive myself, but then there was also many steps after that that I had to take, but that was number one for me, right? But everything that I needed was already right there. Let's stay there for a minute. The book you're referencing is The Power of Who. Oh. And, and for the listeners that, that are listening, go read The Power of Who. It's a very powerful book that talks about everyone we need to know to grow our lives are usually right there around us. We just have to make sure we lean into them. So it's extremely, it's a super valuable book. Another one I'm going to give, because you mentioned about the best moments, that exercise we did, a great book for people to look at to do some self-reflection is John Acuff's book is all it takes is a goal. It's a great self-reflection book to understand where you're at today, looking back at your past 
in order to conquer your future. So I agree with you 100%, Josh. Number one, it's about you. People don't always like when I make this statement, but I had to make the statement when I look myself in the mirror. Hey, if your life sucks, it's because you suck. So the solution is stop sucking. So how do you stop sucking? is you got to do some self-reflection. I strongly believe God doesn't make junk. We're all made in his self-image. He doesn't make junk. He gives us all gifts, talents, and abilities. Those are his gifts to us. What is our gift back to him is what we do with them. That's number one. Give us number two. Number two is like, you have to come to the reality that no one's going to save you. You have to give that thought up. No one's going to come and save you. You have to save yourself. And saving yourself means looking at yourself, understanding yourself, appreciating yourself right? Those are the steps That's saving yourself is salvaging, taking responsibility. I truly believe that was another pivotal moment for me is just consuming as much responsibility that you can take. Because I believe once you take the responsibility, you are now in control of it, right? If you want to constantly point fingers and blame, they're, they're in control of your life, not you. Beautiful. I love it. I love it. I love it. And one more. One more. I'm, like, I'm not going to dive too much into the self stuff. I think high level as far as like accomplishing dreams, like going back to manifestation and just knowing that it is possible, believing that it is possible just because you can't see it and it's not necessarily instant or you can't grab it. It's not instantaneous, right? That it it does, it does live there. I mean, I just gave you two examples earlier of the pen and the commercial stuff. And it still happens to me to this day. Sometimes the stuff that I'm asking for now takes a little bit longer, but believe that it's possible. Believe in yourself and believe that it's possible. What I hear there is our environment is super critical. Absolutely. You know, as a young boy, you looked up to Joe. Joe taught you some things, even though Joe was not that greatest dude. Yeah. But you migrated to him because Joe, your environment of people you put yourself around, what kind of human beings are they that can lean in you, love you, love you for who you are, no matter what you've done and be able to lean in you. So finding the right environment. And so before we came into this discussion today, you were telling me a story. And I think about this, the story you told me as it relates to this idea of environment. And it's the shark. You got this big shark hanging above you on your wall. And you told me the story of how you caught that shark in Mexico the day before your wedding. Yeah. So that represents a best moment to you. Sure. Right. And you also then talked about, well, what does a shark represent? So speak to that for a moment. I believe a shark, a shark is misunderstood, right? I think once you understand a shark and you know the way it moves and how it acts, a shark's not really scary at all, but we just perceive it as scary. And I believe truly in this world, it's either you learn to swim with sharks or you get eaten by them. And I've just learned to swim with sharks by understanding them and how they move. And also myself too, as far as reaction to fears, right? So that's kind of my analogy with sharks. Cause I do, I do believe that in, in any world there's, there's sharks all over the place and you gotta, you gotta learn to swim with them or you're going to get eaten by them. And Josh, don't people sometimes look at us as a shark? Absolutely. Don't you ever feel misunderstood? Cause I feel misunderstood at times. Sure. And so I think the shark is a great analogy. They're they're not bad animals. They're misunderstood animals. No different than us at times. But for us to really be understood, it takes what you've talked about of some self-reflection, creating a better environment. And that's how we start to accomplish some great things 
in our lives. And so as, as I close this, I want you to think about what Josh said today, and I want you to do your own self-reflection. I want you to, to do some of the calls to actions, consider picking up the book or listening to the audio version of The Power of Who or John Acuff's book, All It Takes is a Goal. Think about this analogy of the shark and uh, do you feel misunderstood? Because I know if, if you're anything like me, I oftentimes feel that way. How, how can we improve that? How do we, the people that we are looking as as sharks, well, maybe we need to lean into them and get more curious about them and strengthen those relationships. So think, I mean, Josh, I thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Is there any last things you want to share with our listeners before we close? Uh, no, just selfishly, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you talking about environment. I think, you know, you're one of the one of the top guys that I look up to, and I appreciate everything that you do and who you are um, as a person. So thank you very much, Nathan, for having me on and for being the person that you are. Appreciate it. And I'll look for that pin in the mail, brother. You can find more thoughts on how to move beyond bricks at drnathanunruh.com. 